Welcome, dear listener, to a very, very special Geeking on Sports cast. I mean, how do we start? It's it's crazy. It's surreal. Canada walks away with nine points, a win away to Honduras, 2-0, a win at home in Hamilton, Ontario, 2-0 against the United States, and then a win away from home in El Salvador, 2-0. And that, I mean, the first goal in that game was, I mean... Pure class. there's anything if there's anything to say that you know this is destiny that goal i mean uh like the no way just so the listeners if the if they hadn't seen it what happened but essentially there's a cross in from laren uh atiba hutchinson uh heads it to the near side um hits the post he falls down it hits the defender then his leg then hit the back of his head as he's falling down and goes in past the goalie um to the right side well the ball went over the goalie and he didn't know where it was yeah, and yeah. he saw it hit the ground and then he swatted at it but he completely missed it yeah like yeah. he should that, the goalie should have saved that saved it yeah and that was their backup goalie el salvador because their starting goalie got injured um in warm-up so um, pretty lucky uh, in, in the whole case. I mean, the second goal obviously was nice by David and, and beautiful, but also was be- a byproduct of them being up 1-0. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, like just and, awesome and- nine points. And who would have thought? Um, Kieran says, uh, called okay, me last well, night yeah. saying that he he predicted nine points. I, by the way, listen, it's all BS. Um, oh, no, no. I, I said don't know it was about nine. But I, possible. I said it was entirely possible. Okay. Okay. But but with that nine points, we need a pretty much one point from three games to automatically qualify. Now, granted, Panama currently are eight points below us. So if they do win out their next three games, that could change things up. But I mean the United States and Mexico still have to play each other. United States and Panama still have to play each other. We we need to play Panama. Yeah. Um, so a lot of things, but you know what? I, I mean, I, I'm the kind of person that until it's mathematically proven, I'm not going to say that we've made it, um, but we are looking really good. One point can pretty much seal the deal. Let's go for it. Now, I'm, I'll let you I'll let you dive into I'll, how I'll just, we can potentially make it. I'll yeah. just give a quick kind of overview for the listeners of, you know, how close they are and basically that they are in Qatar. Um, as much as Kieran doesn't want to say it and or jinx it because he believes in that stuff. Um I'll just give an easy, a simple way to say it. Obviously, Kieran outlined Panama. Uh, they're eight points behind us. So if they drop any points, they automatically cannot um, come ahead of us. We've already clinched four spot over Costa Rica. Um, so any time, if any, in any way, if Panama drops points and they play the U.S. at in the U.S., which I f- would find very unlikely, they would win that game. They could tie, but um, mm. so obviously if they they, if they don't win out, uh, Canada is off to Qatar, which is very likely. Um, but even if they were to do so, um, if Mexico were to beat the U.S., um, Canada would be going to Qatar as well, um, just because of how the scenarios work with points, um, because the U.S. then will play um, Panama, and either way, someone's going to lose points, therefore would not be able to chase um, Canada. So um, one point even um would would automatically make us get there or um mexico beating the usa or panama dropping any points um i can go into more semantics as 
to how it would all happen if they if they were to you know not get a point and technically even one point wouldn't necessarily get them technically you just have the goal differential um they'd have goal differential and they're by far the highest um although they'd be tied with the u.s who is the second closest to them in goal differential so essentially they're they're off to qatar um it's it's so unlikely and look at this team um how well they're playing they just won nine points in a window to think they're not going to get at least one um point or two um is almost unfathomable and then the likelihood that all these things happen are way um lower than yeah Yeah. so it's i think if you're a canadian fan you 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 start booking your your flight to qatar because it's it's not going to happen it's they're they're, they made it um if they had not won this game i still think i'd feel the same way but after winning last night it's it's done and and it's i think it's great because for Canadian fans, it's been such a long time. They haven't made it since 1986. And the fans like the Voyage, the Voyagers, the Voyagers, um, who have been there diehards when we would barely beat Curacao 2-1 um at home, uh now can say that we beat the US at home and without our two best players. But uh yeah, so just just so people know, Kieran said we're we made it to Qatar. So I I okay. Yeah. Mathematic until it's mathematically proven. Yeah. I won't say it now. Okay. The win versus the United States. I mean, that's a bonus. That is such a huge bonus before the game even started. I think people were writing off. No, the United States were going to beat us. Like pretty sure most, most media were saying that. I think, I think going to come on top at the very least we get a draw, but no, we, we showed them that, you know, we're not going to play soft. We played tough. We played compact defensive structure. And then we played on the counter. Um, but I mean, before we really dive into the American game, Canada, United States game in, in Hamilton, you know, what was the turning point in the qualifying rounds for us to get this consistent or at least have this mentality that we could make it? And for me personally, is when we went to the Azteca and tied Mexico at their capital home stadium. I mean, that that's sending a message. We've never, I mean, I don't think Canada's ever drawn or won or anything at the azteca we've always been blown out of the park i think they might have like a lot like in the 70s or 80s um right but that just goes to show that it's it's not common no no and i think i think before the game they had that they drew against uh mexico at the azteca they were like set that their goal differential in the last like five or six games there was like 17 to zero or something like that they hadn't even scored I, i think you know Going to the, the the turning points, I think there's so many, so many um, different games that you can look to as as kind of the turning points. I think for me, um, I think the Aztec is one. I think honestly, the USA game, the the second yep. game of the, you know, they went down one nil. They were playing well, and and they kind of had a bad you know defensive mistake and and led to a quick like a goal kind of out of nothing, and then they scored almost immediately after. And I think on that beautiful Davies um, this, I'm talking about in, in the United States um, when they tied Nashville game. Yeah. One, one. Um, I think that was just kind of, you know, they, they had played Honduras. They probably deserved to win overall on the play, but they just kind of got CONCACAF and didn't play well to start. And um, that's the only real blemish of the, the qualifying campaign, weirdly enough. Right. And 
I think that just gave them the confidence to, and then they played El Salvador and won. But, you know, you can talk about the Azteca. You can talk about them winning against Panama, right? Like that game was 1-1 until the amazing Davies goal, right? And and yeah. they weren't really in control of that game at the time. They, they deserved to be winning, but they weren't, right? And then that Davies goal went in and then the, the floodgates opened. And then obviously the Mexico game, I think for the rest of the world kind of showed, hey, Canada is probably making the World Cup and is a really good team, you know? Um, so I, I, in a weird way, none of these games, this window has really, I don't think we're a turning point because I think they were leading, it was kind of leading up. Yeah. Um, but I think the, the game against Mexico, um, in Mexico and in the U S and then obviously the Panama games, I think are the ones that I think of as really, you know, backs against, you know, in, in all those games, they were down one nil, right. They, they gave up the first goal. And they came back and got a result. So I think in a, in a tough situation. We showed resiliency and we showed that we're not going to give up. We're not going to just simply, you know, hide our tail you know, between the legs and, and walk off. We're, we're going to fight mm-hmm. for every opportunity that we have. And I mean, sometimes we've been lucky in the, the finishing we've had. Although I would argue it's, it's funny because a lot of the times when we do have a clear cut chance, we'll sometimes miss it. Yeah. But then the opportunities are like, no, he's not going to score. That's just a weird angle or that's yeah. just going to, you know, there's no way that's going to happen. I mean, oh, or the, just, the Buchanan goal against Honduras, that was an own goal. I mean, I mean, it was a great play. Clearance. though. No, it was yeah. a fantastic play. The, the Atiba Hutchinson, I mean, okay, we're that, also getting yeah, pushed goaltending, yeah. um, you know, by Milan Boric. I mean, yeah, it's like, Borian, sorry. Yeah, no, no, <laughs> no, but I mean, it's things like these that are, they're coming together and we're showing that we're not going to give up. And I mean, even at the United States game, when Milan Borjan made that, that save, and I, I think it was the, the first half or, or shortly after the second half, the start of the second half. Uh, no, just before halftime. Yeah. So just before halftime, that clutch clearance save. And it's like, well, Honduras, whoa. Honduras, you know, like the save he made. Well, in both Honduras games, I don't know if people remember this, but, you know, he made a beautiful save in the first game against Honduras when they tied 1-1 in about the 70th minute where it was a header and he he just got a little little bit of the glove on it and it hit the post and came back out and, and, and it got cleared. And and then obviously the Honduras game, this window where he, he made two fantastic saves, but the first one, 1-0, Honduras was gaining some pressure, makes a beautiful header stop uh, like on right on the line. And then, you know, three minutes later, David scores that goal, right? So um, I think they've definitely had the best goalie in this window. I don't think Borean's really put a bad step forward. And Crepo actually played in, in one window and was really good. So mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, th- that's not the reason why they're at the World Cup. I think they would still be by the way they've been playing. But if it wasn't for Borean, they wouldn't have 25 points. No, no, we'd be a bit further down the table. Yeah. Um, now let, let's break, let's let's talk a bit about the United States Canada game. Now, this started off with a lot of American fans complaining for I guess two reasons. One, the cold weather. I mean, okay, it was what minus four. Please, yeah. please. All of the northern United States are completely used to that, barring the Pacific West Coast. You know. Mm. Um, and then, secondly, NFL football was on at the same time. Now, I'm sorry. You could do what I do and watch several games at the same time, <laughs> or you can just own up to the fact that it's not an excuse. Like 
power. You well, use it as an excuse. I, I want. I, I mean, I think. I think there's a bunch of things that you said there, completely accurate. I think the. I think a lot of the American fan base is good. Like, I'm not trying to hate on them, but there's also a super obnoxious part um, that I think is you know you can go into a whole sociological thing about it. But ego. You know, they, there's people online and and not just online, but commentators who are saying, "Why did the Americans play the game during the NFL?" time shouldn't they have known better and or blaming CONCACAF and not realizing because they're obnoxious and it's you know this American worldview that actually Canada gets to pick the time and you know when they get to play right and um and then for the for the cold weather um I think that's just ridiculous I I don't like more so than the fans like Greg Burhalter was saying you know the pitch was sh- you know, bad. It was super cold, and then they just played yesterday in minus, like a way colder. It was in Minnesota, Minnesota. In like the, the goalie had hypothermia, had to leave the game for Honduras. So, like I, I, you know, that I think is just a bunch of excuses. Greg Brohalter also said that they dominated the game. They had one good chance. You know, they had little like half chances here and there, but they only had one really good chance. And honestly, Canada had the better chances. And the United States, they never controlled the game in our box. No. They, they always never... kept them to the perimeter. Yeah, right. And 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 we got the early goal, and, and that was a lot of American mistakes, and probably the goalies fault a little bit too, but um, in multiple they ways. They just forgot how to defend. Yeah, right. And like, okay, cool. You, you, you know, you dominated possession with our two best midfielders out. Good for you. Um, like, you know, and – Davies out it's not like you know they're missing a couple guys here and there but overall like they, well, they were the had their main squad team. with they, they essentially had their main squad with Weston McKenney, Pulisic, yeah. Tyler, Adam, Tyler Adams their midfield uh, is really good like yeah is the best in CONCACAF in my opinion and the problem with them is they don't have the guys at the top end of the pitch that we do right you know Jonathan David Kyle Laren like playing way better than any of the <laughs> guys at the top of the pitch for the USA. Right. And um, I think any, you know, Canada deserved that win, you know? Um, and I think, you know, the, even the XGs, like the expected goals were higher for Canada. It's not as though, you know, the numbers or the possession tells everything. Right. No. Oh, well, I mean, what can you say? I mean, you just move on, you laugh at it and, yeah. and you move on. And that, that's all it is. And now, we're, we're the kings of CONCACAF, baby. Okay, we'll, we'll get into that later. But I mean, uh, mm, uh, mm, <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll, we'll get into okay. it. But I think I think that win was well deserved. And and I think it's just a common like a culmination of everything that's been happening for this program in terms of, you know, you could see it with the, the ways they played on the road against Mexico, USA, even Jamaica. Right. And, and, and then that big win against Mexico. So. Um, I think, you know, any of the excuses the Americans had, they, they didn't play their best game, but um, I wouldn't say we were like the best ever. We just played better as a team and, and had better players at the top of the field. We were chippy and they yeah. got mad at that. Yeah. And I, I I saw a lot of commentators saying, oh, the mean Canadians. It's like, bruv, have you seen what goes on for the rest of Concord? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen yeah. what goes on in like South American soccer? Yeah. Like, and- I I, I watched that Argentina-Brazil game, the finals, Copa America, and I swear there could have at least been four or five red cards, mm-hmm. but there was not called. Yeah. And these American fans or commentators were saying that, you know, we're, we're you know, pushing them too much or stepping on their feet. And it's like, 
come on, please get up, get up. And now granted, there was a lot of diving in the El Salvador Canada game from both sides. Um, I wasn't a huge fan of, mm-hmm. um, but yeah. Anyways, what we, I would, need, what I would say also play. is like, like the biggest difference between the USA and Canada, honestly, has been their road records. Yeah. Um, I mean, both, I think both of them still have two road records to, to go, but I think that's basically the difference. I think both teams are four, have four wins at home in a tie at home. Like they're four and one or whatever, um, four wins in a draw. And then the four point differential that currently sits for, for the team is, is on the road. And I think it's exactly the same with no Mexico. Actually, it's a bit different, but, um, but yeah, right. So I think that's kind of the difference between these teams right now is Canada hasn't lost on the road and the U.S. Mm-hmm. has lost twice. Right. And, 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 and drawn another one. So um, there you go. Right. All right. Well, let's get into a bit of the El Salvador game. El Salvador. Good go. Lord. Is, is that the country that has Bitcoin now? Is their main currency? Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's main, but they're adopting it. Yeah. They're adopting it. That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, and the president is young forties and a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah. I don't I'm, I'm not as <laughs> we don't need to Honduras got a female president before their right before their game. I think it was inaugurated wow. that day or the day before. So, or Congrats. prime minister, I'm not, I'm not sure. Congrats. Yeah. All right. Let, let, let's get back into it. Cause we're, we're not a political podcast and yeah. we don't, no well, yet. crazy yet. amount about Central American yet. politics. Uh, okay, problems in the offense for this past game. Obviously, we did not start uh, Buchanan. We did not start Laren. Um, and there was some odd choices in that, you know, Alistair Johnson was on the bench. Uh, I think Donnell Henry came on. Yeah. Um, you know, Richie Larea was the right back. You know, obviously, Vittoria couldn't play. Uh, but I'm surprised that they didn't play Kamal Miller because he'd been playing a couple of times. Um, I mean, I, I think I have an answer to the the at least some of those players. I think with mm-hmm. Johnston, Miller, who was the other one that you mentioned? I forget who. But the, at right. least for those two, those guys are MLS guys, right? And so they haven't been – they haven't played any, like, a competitive match since this window. So Johnston, I think, played – has played all the 90 minutes um, – in the, the previous two matches games. right yeah. and and miller played the last game too right and i think uh bless you um so i think that was more an indictment for those guys on uh on on just mls fitness like not i don't mean it in mm. a bad way um and then for laren he played the i think 90 minutes both games yeah um and same with buchanan and buchanan i think looked a bit injured in, in the the usa game at the end so um, you get a real knock there. Yeah, and they took out David a bit early too in, in the USA game. So um, I think it just kind of makes it made sense. Um, now you can disagree with how they formed and who he put on with Miller and Hoylet and Rosario, but um, right. Yeah, so I, yeah. What I was going to say there, and I just sorry to cut you off there briefly. Um, although we have good depth options, them starting is not nearly good enough. I mean, we saw it with Miller, Hoylet, and Osorio. Although they're pretty decent on the ball, I, I don't know about Miller, but Osorio and Hoylet are pretty good on the ball. Neither of those, none of those three players are able to progress the ball forward in a meaningful or decisive way. They cannot beat their opponent. They're not fast. None of them are fast. 
Um, so does Hoylet, this pull... Hoylet's kind of fast. Hoylet's kind of fast. He's not he's not Tejon Buchanan or Alfonso Davies, but he, he's not slow. But okay. I know what you mean. But he's not exactly winning a race with a defender or anything. I mean, mm-hmm. this we, we saw here that this can be an issue going forward if we need to play other depth players that are not able to really get the best out of each other. I mean, granted, it could be a lack of chemistry because they haven't really played they that much played. together. Yeah. But really, they just didn't look great. They looked quite poor for most of it. Um, Miller, think, especially. Yeah, Miller. Uh, I think I think Hoylet looked okay. Um, Azorio, I think, is fine. It's just he's not. He's really good with good players, right? Like, look at the game he played against Mexico. He was great. Even the last game against the States, where he he played not in his position. I thought he was decent considering. I think Azorio. It's just like, you know, he's not going to make you a, he's only going to, he's smart. He'll progress the ball, but he's not going to jump out at you with, you know, beating guys one-on-one or, or anything like that. I think Miller did look very poor and Hoylet was, was, has only really only looked good in the USA game and the other two games he played, he looked subpar. I also think honestly, my take on it is it's more, um, more says more about who we're playing in front of them rather than how they played. I think because Buchanan, even though he hasn't been the greatest other than the Honduras game and played decent in, in this in, in when he came on at the you know 57 minute mark. But well, he Laird, and Laird, I mean, the second they came on, they changed the pace yeah, of the game. Right. And, that, and th- I, th- I think those guys are just playing at a much higher level than than Miller and Hoylet as much as those guys were poor, if that makes any sense. Yeah, um, yeah. I think Miller did play poorly, but also he, he, he hasn't played that much um, for the national team right now. Um, just because of the depth at that position. So I completely agree. I, th- I, I, I wouldn't be as worried, um, but I think it's, you know, a fair argument to say they, they didn't play well. I don't think Canada played very well in the last game against El Salvador last night. I, I, I By far their worst game, in my opinion, of, of the window. But, you know, they had a bunch of guys get COVID, um, like three, four guys on the team and staff it's the third game after all this travel. Like, I think you can kind of give them a little bit of a, a break, but I don't know. What were your thoughts? Be- beyond what I've already said in that, I, I thought it was a quite poor performance from our top yeah. end. Um, I also would have to say uh, there were some defensive or pro- ball progression mistakes in the, in the midfield with, mm-hmm. you know, Atiba losing the ball a couple of times and same with Estacchio. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think it's fair to say it was none of this team's best performance. No one on this team had the best performance. No. Um, I would like to say Richie Larea is such a disturber, such, yeah. such a shit disturber on the yeah. field. I mean, the amount of times that he just like did a little, you know, nick on the top, yeah. you know, tip of the uh, foot or, you know, diving a little bit, you mm-hmm. know, slight kick at the player without kind of like really emphasizing the kick. I mean, these are little things that get under the skin and it matters because people lose their cool. Yeah. And I mean, it was just, it was, it was really interesting to see how he went about it. Um, now I always get a little worried when I see players playing that way, because I'm always of the sense, why do you need to you know cause attention? Why mm-hmm. do you need to bring attention to yourself? Just let, let the game go but sometimes it works and it, it definitely did work against against the united states no I, I completely agree and i think that's the thing that this team's really taken an evolution 
in is that they've learned how to play CONCACAF, right? Like El Salvador never really had to play in this game, right? Like, you know, they weren't, I wouldn't say they were getting, they weren't, like the game was pretty mad, honestly. But um, what they were doing after the first 20 minutes, you know, was just kicking smart tactical fouls. And we've learned that, right? That's what we've learned over this, you know, look at the game against the States, how many, you know, how many little tackles pissed off the Americans, right? Where we just changed and, and cut kind of their flow by just taking a lot of tactical fouls, right? And, and, and in CONCACAF, you're allowed to, to get away with more, right? So um, I think it's just an evolution of this team and, and who would have thought, right? Like they missed Ustakio, who only played one game and obviously wasn't at his peak performance just because he had COVID and hadn't played in a while or in, in the week. And um, and then obviously Davies, which is, you know, the best player on this Huge. team. So, so I think it's just an evolution of this team, right? Is that they find ways to win. They have enough going forward to, to nick a goal here and there, especially with Atiba Hutchinson's head. Um, so it just, it just, I think it's just awesome where this team is right now and will be really competitive compelling at the world cup next in the, in the, in December. I, I think also they've completely bought into the idea that they can make it. Whereas oh, that's I, something that we've never really and, envisioned or believed. And even, in you know, Herdman basically was saying we're in the world cup, but he also said, that's not, we're not satisfied with that. Right. Um, because, you know, we want to go undefeated. That's their, their main goal, right. They want to go all the way, and go undefeated. And also that has ramifications for what pot they're in. If, if they were to, you know, be able to basically even, they don't even need to win out their last three and we'll get to that shortly, but just continue winning or, or not losing. There's a decent chance they move up and they'll be undefeated and that's only good. Right. So um, I think, uh, you know, right. So, okay. So with, with that in mind, what do we expect in the last three games? Now the last three games are, playing Costa Rica away from home. Then we're playing Jamaica at home. I don't, has it been decided where they're going to be playing? I think they said Toronto. It's um, not official, but I'll be there. You'll be there. Well, I think, I think we'll all try to get tickets for that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But um, um, I, it, it sounds quite likely you'll be in Toronto again, just because of the travel um, similar to just because you're going to Central America back up. It doesn't make sense to go to Vancouver or anything like that. Just too much. Yeah. And then lastly, we're playing Panama in Panama City. Now, I don't think we want to get to a point where we have to determine our it's not going to happen, Karen. I'll talk about that later. But yeah, it's no, not- we, we've already we've already got into that. But okay, so Canada, Costa Rica, away from home. Costa Rica started playing a lot better. They have Navas back, and a lot of people know that you know when you have Navas in net, it's not exactly a walk in the park. He will block most of the shots. Mm-hmm. And even if you have a good opportunity, it's a good chance that he's going to save it. So what can we realistically expect from this Canadian national team going into Costa Rica, knowing that Costa Rica must win to keep their hopes alive to go to the World Cup? It'll be tough. I, I think in a weird way, um, almost our hardest away windows. Um, I think just like animosity and like the intensity will be super up for the Costa Rica and the Panama game, most likely just because of where those teams are at right now. Costa Rica is only one point behind Panama for that fourth place, which I'm not going to say gets you to the world cup, but you play New Zealand. They're probably favored in that matchup. Right. Um, 
So it's going to be crazy. Uh, I mean, as I mentioned before, I don't think the game is going to matter in Panama, but in the sense of for Canada, they'll be at the World Cup. But at the same time, um, I think what you want to expect, I think they should feel like they need to go undefeated, right? Um, Away from home to win at those places, especially with the, you know, especially the last match, I think is probably unlikely because it'll probably mean everything for Panama and not much for us. Um, but at the same time, I think a window where we get four to six points would be a good window. Um, you know, could we get nine? Sure. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but what will be kind of be a a good window for us? I think the Jamaica game, we're going to win. Um, and if we don't win that, that's a disappointment. Even if we've already booked our place, that Jamaica team will not have anyone good. Um, I doubt Antonio will be there. They're already out, um, essentially now. Um, so I think that will be a quite winnable and just like a celebratory home match where we just celebrate being in the, at the World Cup um, and it'll be a, a bunch of fun. And I, what I, I'll just my last point is what I, I think Herdman will do is he'll, you know, because he easily can just bring up a lot of new guys. I think what he'll do is keep most of the old guard. But if he's able to convince any of those dual nationals, Jebison, Flores, Within that time period, they'll get called up um, and play just to cap tie them, um, and and like Mitrovic and and maybe Corbianu. So I think you might see a little bit more younger players, but still mostly the same team, um, other than maybe like two or three kind of young guys to cap tie and just get them integrated in the team. And that'll be that'll be really interesting to see if if he is able to pull that off because. Um, well, and this window only helps, right? Because now yeah. they're, they're there, they're, you know, like they don't have to, I know you're, you, you get anxious about it, but they're, they're going to the world cup. So you can now tell, Hey, we're there, right. Come, come join us. Right. Um, especially with Flores and how bad Mexico looks right now. Um, it'll be interesting. The only thing I would say with the, with Flores, um, he, he grew up in Mexico, right? Or did he grow up in Canada? Uh, like a little bit of both, I believe. Okay. Uh, I, I think he grew up in Canada, but then, but was Mexican and then went to England at like 13. I'm not sure. Okay. I'll, I'll Google it now, but continue. No. So with a player like that, it's hard. I mean, when you, when I, when the nation, when I, well, I, when I guess a, soccer countries such as Mexico, or, I mean, if this is another country, say in, in South America or, or Africa or, or, you know, Europe and so on, you want to represent that because the culture is there. The, uh, the atmosphere, the people are there. It, it's a different feeling. However, for Canada, you can be part of that new culture mm-hmm. and that new wave and that new wave of excitement and exhilarating football and that's, I think, a big selling point. It's like you can, you can put your name in, like you can become legacy in a sense, um, for playing in a country like Canada because we and, we haven't really had that before. And think but, about it, like I mean, I, I was actually going to talk about it at a kind of later part about are is Canada the the top of Concacaf, but um, I'll just like a little tidbit is that if you're Marcelo Flores or Jebison or whoever, right? You'll go to a World Cup, right? You know, most likely. And look who you're playing with. You have Alfonso Davies, who's could be the best left back in the world and probably will be at, you know, if he's not there now, he's going to be. He's an absolute like phenom. 
Jonathan David's going to get sold for like 50, 60 million this summer. Looks like a great player. They're only 21, 22. Like the future is bright. Like you get to play with those guys for 10 years. Mexico doesn't have any young players coming up really like not no one kind of at that level other than really Flores that maybe could be that. Right. So I think if you're a dual national, um, you look at this, I get to play a home world cup. I get to play with Alfonso Davies, David, and this team that seems awesome, like just, you know, camaraderie and, and the team spirit. So I think, you know, it's going to be really attractive. Right. And, and it'll be interesting to see what happens. So Mexico would also have the home world cup there. So that's, they the would, no, no, but um, um, I would say more with a player such as, you know, Jebison or, or Mitrovic, you know, I don't think Jebison's playing for the English national team. Or not um, anytime soon. Um, what I would Even then, it's hard to imagine that he'll be, he'll have enough quality yeah. to ever play consistently. Yeah. Um, so that is something that could bode well for Canada. Um, getting these not so much tier one players, but tier two, because if they're tier one, they're like, already we're back. Thank you. Uh, so, okay. Getting back to the point, tier one players, tier two players. Now, if there's a tier one player that's a dual national, chances are they're probably going to end up playing for the country that is more dominant. Um, yeah. It's hard to see that not being the case. Yeah. Um, but anyways, for, I mean, Canada's just helping themselves by, you know, doing better and better and better and playing at this level. We're just convincing more potential dual nationals to actually, you know, come over to Canada and see a future. I would like to address one thing. I'm kind of disappointed that Arfield retired. No, Um, I I think he could have been a player that would have been good for the locker room. And then, and then also he has value. I mean, he's a pretty good central midfielder. It, it will be interesting to see because you can always unretire. Um, yeah. So, like when they, you know, they'll be in Qatar. Will he want to try to join? I don't know. Like he, he kind of said no, but you know, I'm not, I'm not saying he'll come back, but I wouldn't say it's implausible that he, he doesn't join back with the team, like to have a chance to go to a World Cup. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, you know, Herdman, why would he? He's not going to get supplanted by Hutchinson or you know Estacchio or anyone like that. Well, I would also add to it, why, what's the incentive for Herdman to bring back Arfield? He hasn't played with this group no. for oh. a while. Um, he doesn't have the same, he probably wouldn't have the same chemistry as some of the other players do with each other. Mm-hmm. And Arfield's also, what, 32, I think, roughly? No, I think, so, I, think, I think he's like 33 or something like that. I'll check. Right. So, point is, he's not young. Yeah. So although it would have been good to have him and have his class, so to speak, you know, I can easily see a reason to not bring him or not, you know, reach out to him to consider. Yeah. yeah, I can see a reason to not consider, you know, reaching out to him to unretire. Yeah. No, no. I don't think they're going to reach out to unretire him, but like, if I'm him, I'm like, well, you know, I get to go to a a home world cup. That might be quite enticing. So we'll, we'll see. Um, but I mean, I, I think it's less likely than not, but I wouldn't say it's implausible. Which is odd. Yeah. No, no. Which it, is it. also odd because why would, I mean, unless if he doesn't care too, too much, I mean, it seems like a lost opportunity, like going to a world cup. It's amazing. But I guess at the time they decided to retire, it was not a guarantee that we could make it. Yeah. Um, you know, so I but, think he just realized he wasn't going to be 
like prominent in in the like the at least for the rest of the you know I don't know I'm sure they had a heart to heart and and just was like hey like if you come in you're not starting and yeah. you're a squad player right and you kind of have to start from the bottom and he probably was like it's not worth it with my club career and probably chasing one other another big contract right to get to get hurt so I who knows um but let's you want to maybe move on to the next little yeah so okay so <laughs> who was Canada's most valuable player this one though um I I think it was pretty close I'd probably say David um okay. got two goals and an assist um uh I was really close to almost saying Borean just because of the saves um, and the timing. And even in the game last night, I mean, it was kind of a lucky shot by the El Salvadorian, but at like the 92nd minute shoots from almost half and it almost is like a golasso, right? Um, and he had to make be a quick and, and make a save. So I, I'd say David just, he looked like what he's been playing at Lille and that's been really the first time that's happened, I think, for him. Um, you know, he missed a big chance uh, earlier in the game against El Salvador, but otherwise I, I think, you know, he was pretty good on the ball, good at link up play. Um, I think he just looked really, really good in this window. And, and I think that's a big reason why they, they, they got nine points. So you mentioned Borean. Uh, he was my pick, but I was actually contemplating between Borean and Hutchinson. I just think the leadership his clutch goal yeah, and just his general sense of directing the pitch was so yeah. important. Now yeah. both Borean and Hutchinson did that, but I'm going to edge for towards Borean just because of his several clutch saves and leadership and, and everything. I yeah. think the reason why I didn't consider Hutchinson was he missed the USA game. So I kind of, I felt like it he's still, be... he's still around the team, right? It's no, like... no, I know. But you know, the most impressive one was the USA win as much as I like beating El Salvador and Honduras and it wasn't easy, but um, I think I couldn't have give it to him just because he didn't play. Um, I want to say Vittoria to give a little kind of shout outs. I thought Vittoria was really good in this window. Um, Alistair Johnson's looked really good. I think, you know, he's actually decent on the ball more than I, you know, I really thought. Um, and you could tell even when he came into the game last night. So yeah, I, I think there's a lot of really good players and just, players playing at you know peak levels especially a lot of the mls guys are, are you know kind of not the the stars let's just say no. mm. okay let's get into canada's most important player now we're not talking about most talented player mm-hmm. and we're not talking about just this window who is canada's most important player on the squad right now in the squad right now that that played in this window, you're trying to say? Are we are we are we talking? No, about no, this no. We can or? do we can we can do whichever one you want. I, right. So if it's this window, it, it would have been, you know, a previous. Yeah. Answers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let, let's talk. Let's talk about in general. Now we're not going to say talented. I think talented is Davies. But yeah. who's the most important player in this team? I would have, you know, this is a tough question because I would have said before this window, it would have been Ustakio, but they won two games, um, especially the one against the U.S. without him. Um, in a weird way, I want to say Kyle Lahren, Um, just because, um, I mean, David was so good this window, but overall, I think Laren's played the best 
Um, but it's, it's so tough. Like I don't want to kind of diminish any of, of the players, but I think it has to be for me, David or Laren, just because of the goal scoring, right. That, that they just, they get, uh, yeah, I just think, um, I'm going to go with, uh, is it Laren or David? I don't know. I'm going to, uh, your, your I'll gut s- instinct told you Laren. Yeah. So. I think Laren has just played so well for the national team. Uh, this he's also game. been more clutch in certain games where against the bigger teams, yeah. he has shown that he can score more often. Uh, a lot of David's goals were against some of the lower tier teams, especially in the uh, build up to getting to the octagon. He, he has four goals in the four games against Mexico and USA. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, right. And um, two game winners, right? So I, I just think. Um, I think just he's been so great. How about you? Oof, I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that because I don't know. Uh, <laughs> to be frank with you, um, there, there's just there's so many different parts of this team that have done really well. Mm-hmm. And I don't think you can just look at on-field success. I think you also need to look at the culture that's being you know, brought into the, or the, the camp uh, with some of the older players and and the guidance that they are you know giving to yeah. the younger players, um, frankly, I don't want to answer this because okay. there's only a no, no no I will answer but there's there's no right answer right there's no. there's so many different it's a team people. it's a team like yeah. the reason why they're playing well is not because you know you can see it perfectly embodied in this window. No Davies, no Stacchio, who were probably the most influential players in the previous windows, and they're not there, and and they get nine points basically with six. No, what? How long? How many? How long did Stacchio play for? 60, 70 minutes, right? Yeah, just about. Um, and and wasn't at his top performance just because of the layoff, in my opinion, which I think is completely fair. So. Yeah, I think, you know, I, and I, again, well, let's let's go into the, the are we the kings of CONCACAF? Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll give my answer. I'll give my answer. Right. I'm going to choose John Herdman. Yeah, no, I you mean, that's a, that's a good answer. I was going to say the most important person on this team is 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 John Herdman. I think he's been yeah. fantastic. And I think um, I'm a bit worried that he's going to leave after this uh, World Cup. Um, uh, I just think someone's going to come like some big team or, or, or another kind of uh, association will come in and get him. But uh, I think he's been so good, obviously such a good leader, inspirational, but also tactically, right? Like almost all his tactics of rotations, which you really need in this, these windows with three games have been just so spot on. I think he's, he's been, if I'm going to say what's the biggest reason they're going to a world cup, I'd probably say John Herdman. Yeah. The change in the culture, the change in tactics, the change in development and, and perspectives and ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, and belief. That comes down, belief. Yeah, belief. belief. That, that comes down to managers and, and you know, bringing that into a locker room. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, you asked this question or you brought this question to my, my favorite, to me. My um, are we the kings of CONCACAF? I just think that's so corny. I mean, yeah. we've never been dominant, and we're we're not dominant yet, or really. I mean, we've had a good spell. I wouldn't say that's dominance. Um, I personally I, do not think that we've supplanted Mexico or the United States. They have legacies, and they also still have good teams that can still show up and do well. Um, 
it's a lot. Uh, so, a lot so, so, so I'll, I'll kind of layer this a little bit just quickly, not, not too, but I think they've definitely been the best team. They're the best team in CONCACAF right now. I don't think that's an overstatement. You know, look at the points, right? Look at how they've played against Mexico and the USA. They haven't lost to them and they beat them twice, right? They've got eight points out of 12, um, right? And in all of those games, they could have won, even the ones they lost. They could have won those games. Um, and the games they won, they deserve to win, in my opinion, both, both of them, right? Um, so I think for me, I, and why kind of in our, in our document, I said, have they supplanted Mexico? If you look at the USA team, a lot of them are relatively young, right? All the talent, McKinney, Adams, Pulisic, Reyna, Serginho Dest, all these guys, right? Um, they're all essentially 25, 26 or under, right? They're, they're, they still kind of are. You well, they're, they're younger than that. <laughs> yeah, no, not all of them, but, you know. No, but they're, they're like 20 to 23. Yeah, right. Um, which is kind of similar to Canada with our best young players, right? So I don't think talent-wise we're going to get – we might beat them because they're dysfunctional, but we're, we're probably never going to get as talented as they are. But I think if you look at this Mexico team, right, their best players are all either in their prime, i.e. they're going to be out of their prime soon, or or kind of at the tail end, right? Look at Guardado, Herrera, Jimenez are all in their 30s now. Lozano, who you think is young, is 26, right? Um, they don't really have any, like, super dynamic young player coming up. I guess if Flores were to pick them, that'd be one. Um, but they don't have a David... Uh, you know, um, a, a Davies, right? Like anyone like that that's coming up, right? And so for me, I think we can definitely be in the next five to 10 years, a better talented team, maybe not as deep in the sense of as many kind of replaceable players playing at a high level, but our best 11 soon could be much more, or not much more, but more talented than, than Mexico's. I would I would have to agree, and it, it is it's a little daunting in a sense because I mean it's it's almost like can you believe that that's actually could yeah. be a possibility? And right now it it, it is a possibility. Um, Our two best players are not even twenty three yet. <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll just have to see where it, where it goes, and I think a lot of it will have to do if John Herdman does stay. I hope he does stay until twenty twenty six. And then I mean he's young. He's young. He has life ahead of him. Yeah. You know, commit to Canada for a few more years. Mm-hmm. His know? kids are from here. So, um, you know, yeah. and, and, and there you go. Right. Like his, his family like is based in Vancouver and stuff. So, yeah, like it's there's incentive. Right. It's home mm-hmm. to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's from New Zealand, if I'm not mistaken. But no, no, he's from well, he's from England. Sorry. Yeah, but he, he, he managed New Zealand. New Zealand yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Whoopsies. Um, yeah. All righty. Let's get into, I mean, if we do make it to the World Cup, mathematically, we're not there yet. If we do, you're giving me... When we do, when we do, there you go. Okay, 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 okay. What does it do for a program? Now, obviously, it means a few things. One, more money. Yeah. (laughs) Perhaps more funding for lower tier teams or or development teams. But but what else is there? Um, I think, you know, you you hit it on the nail. The the money is a huge thing, and, and that... You know, I don't believe in trickle down economics, but there is some trickle down effect, right? Because just in, in the case, in this case, 
right? The CSA, the Canadian Soccer Association has been underfunded and, and has basically had very little money for, for so long. And now they're going to get so much in sponsorships. Um, there are going to be more games like this summer, right? Nations League and, and other stuff. There's going to be a bunch of home games. And guess what? A lot of people are going to want to go, right? Um, and I'm sure there'll be sellouts and, and they'll get money that way that they really lost um, since the pandemic. So um, I think that's one. And uh, as well, you know, John Herdman said uh, when he took the job in 2018 that um, he, he said that he thought he kind of maxed out how much money and kind of influence he could do with the women's team because the men's team was so garbage. And I think that will only help the women's team and notoriety. Obviously, they, they've gone stratospheric in the sense of winning a gold medal. Um, I mean, I still think they can get only better. You know, talent-wise, they're not the most talented team in the world. Um, Definitely hardworking, more hardworking yeah. than anything else. Um, so I think it's just going to, you know, have a huge effect on just how the, you know, how Canada soccer's run, the money, the you know he's and Herdman's changed a lot of kind of the behind the scenes that's much more professionalized and I think that'll only get better and only easier for for other people you know under other dual nationals to come commit and then you make the program better so I think it's only going in um, the right direction and I think it was with the 2026 World Cup but making it on their own with this the way it happened I think is just going to expedite that right it's going to make you know the, the next couple generations, which I think we're going to come and we're going to be a good soccer nation for a while, only, you know, expedited, as I just mentioned. And I think it's going to help the women's game use soccer immensely, you know, better coaching, more money for a lot of different things. And with the Canadian Premier League, there's also more opportunities to actually have employment. Yeah. Um, and people see it as a route to, you know, make it. And hopefully um, a women's professional league one day. Yeah. Um, which I think with this will only be closer, hopefully, because there's just going to be more money. And um, I think it'll be interesting. I hope because of the pandemic soon, we can have full crowds again, which, you know, they did other than the last game. Um, and I think this summer, as I said, we'll, they'll make a lot of money just with the, the Nations League. And, you know, there's rumors of us, you know, playing friendlies against Argentina or Brazil potentially. Um, now, does that happen? I don't know, but there, those are starting to come around. And and why not? Why wouldn't they play us, right? Um, that, that could also be a slap in the face. Yeah, but think about the money you're going to make, right? Yeah. No, so true. I'm not trying to. I'm not saying we're beating Brazil or maybe Argentina because they're weird. But uh, they um, haven't lost in like 18 games. Oh, then I take it back. But, but uh, I mean, they get they get a lot of draws. They're not yeah. convincing. Yeah. But, but anyway, so I, I think it's just going to be such a great effect, and um, I think the next generation or so to come, it, we're going to really become, I don't know if a soccer power, but a soccer nation, right? You know, on on both sides, and and hopefully it, it has just as big an effect on the women's game as the men's. Most kids these days play soccer growing up. It's yeah. cheaper than a lot of other sports, and it's easier to play, and you don't yeah. need a lot of you know. You don't need a lot of equipment or anything and you can play it all year round. So, and just think about even in our lifetime, right. How much the the pathway to become a professional has, has changed, right. You know, when we were kids, there was TFC Vancouver and Montreal impact just kind of became a thing when we were beginning that age to kind of play high level youth soccer. Now there's the CPL, 
there's all these academies that weren't there even five, 10 years ago when we were kids. So I think it's going to only um, get better and better. And, and I think that's awesome because I think there is so many soccer fans here, but they just cheer for Portugal or Germany or England or whoever they're kind of, you know, ancestry. Yeah. yeah. And, and now we can come together and, and, and hopefully that just is more a source of unity. And, and as well as with more academies and so on, I mean, teams from other countries are also taking more notice to Canadian players where once no one really bothered to think about Canadian youth players. Now people are starting to think, well, there's an untapped market. Yeah. Like we can go here and I can think... find some talented players. I and... mean, it's not to say that we're going to have the next, you know, France 1998 world cup team, but you can still find solid players. But I think we're, we're entering a golden generation and it might also not be golden in the sense that it might just be the start of something, right? Like, I, I don't think you can predict another Alfonso Davies uh, and maybe yeah. not even another Jonathan David and, and stuff like that. But are, are there going to be more Tejon Buchanan's, more Alistair Johnston's, more Ustakios? Um, Kyle Larens. Kyle Larens. Why not, right? Like, I, I think it's hard to find that like you know alfonso davies kind of talent but is there going to be are we just going to get more and more more and more depth in the next coming years i think that's almost a certainty now who knows how much or you know to what extent but it's only going to be good for the game and it's going to be exciting right because now we have women's and a men's team that are good right Mm. and and only really going in the right direction um i don't you know they might not go to number one in the world and we win world cups in both and stuff like that. But I think um, becoming a world cup mainstay and, and in the women's maybe being really competitive to, to win world cups um, and, and Olympics, of course, that they did last summer. Yeah. Could not agree more. And now with that, I, I think we'll, we'll cap it off there. Mm-hmm. Thank you to your listener for tuning into this week. Uh, we both appreciate it. And we're so excited for Canadian soccer They've done so well, both the men's and the women's. Um, kudos to both of them, both the teams. And we hope to see a lot of bright things in the future. Till then, and, take care. And, and I just want to say, uh, if anyone has really good, cheap like uh, tickets for me to get to Qatar on Qatar Airways, please, please send them out. I, I want to go. Okay. Haven't mathematically made it. Yeah. All righty. With that, thank you to your listener. Take care. Cheers. <laughs>